Hello, Finn Maniacs. This is another episode of Chit Chat with Finn Maniacs. I'm your host, Tanner Elliott, and today we have Waldo from the Regulators Podcast. How's it going, Waldo? Doing great, man. How are you? I'm good. So for those who don't know, Waldo is a big fancy football guy. He is the um he's a big stat guy too. He, he throws a little bit of, you know, yes. contract stuff in there, stats. some some stats that you may not even know about. He just throws them at you randomly. He's one of those guys. He does a Twitter spaces roughly every week, every other week with our own Finn Maniac, Jason Sarney and Antoine Stanley, another respected member of the the, you know, I guess the Twitter sp- Twitter universe because he's more than just a Dolphins yeah. guy now. Um, Waldo, you can start off with anything you want now, man. You can deep dive into, you know, OTAs, your 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 deep stats, your Twitter spaces, anything you want, man. Yeah. So <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. That's that's one of the things that I always love finding obscure stats because everybody will often talk about, you know, who got the most yards last year, who or who who got this. But what I find interesting is, and fortunately, I'm able to build off the work of other people. So. Uh, I think it's interesting that there are a lot of people much more suited than me who know X's and O's, right? And they can they can break down plays and formations just by eyeball at a glance and stuff like that. So there's a lot of guys who will actually send me information and say, hey, do you know that this team ran the 12 personnel more than anybody last year or this, you know, and they'll, they'll create stuff. But what I do is I look for ways to connect that to other stats. I look for other patterns and things that say, you know, okay, when this team ran this formation, they were successful 70% of the time, you know, value over average, you know, that this was the thing that uh, they were able to find. And you, it's interesting because you have teams of people for NFL teams that sit and do this. They sit there and they break down other NFL's offense and, and defense and say, okay, every time that they put a guy in motion to the left, you know, it's a 70% chance that they're going to do pass play action and they're going to hit the post. Like there are things like that that exist. So some of that takes a lot of really, really deep diving. Um, but it's it's fun. It's interesting. I love it. Um, the off season has actually been obviously a little slow with not a lot going on between now and, and when preseason ramps up other than a horrific injury here and there. Um, but you know, we, we try to stay on it. Like you mentioned, the Twitter spaces, we love doing those as often as possible. And those are great because they're live and they're interactive. So everybody who joins in on us, they can ask their questions and then we can kind of answer them on the fly. And Antoine and Jason, you know, obviously they do a great job with those as well. So I love doing that with those guys. Um, it's funny you bring up the injury, the, the, you know, the injuries, because Miami seems like they always have you know, that one player that always gets hurt. Better in knock on something, man. Like, <laughs> so far, you know, I mean, I know it's early. I know it's OTAs, but yeah, that's, that's the one thing you just want to get out of camp healthy. And that's why you see a lot, lot of the players that are obviously advocates for, I don't know why we're even having three preseason games. I think two is, is more than enough. And what even coaches have said is that they get more out of the joint practices. So you'll see a lot of teams that run joint scrimmages together, especially if they have a preseason game coming up. They'll go in a couple days early and they'll do those joint scrimmages. Coaches get so much out of that more than they do in a preseason game. So yeah, so far, I think uh, uh, Jeff Wilson was the first major casualty with the 49ers, um, you know, in in their backfield. So I think they said four to six months on him. Mm -hmm. The only 
silver lining in that for the 49ers is that obviously they usually have a, a rotation of running backs and, and are able to kind of plug and play. But as far as the Dolphins, yeah, you know, it's, it's you hate to say it, but you watch your updates every day. And whenever you see something, you're like, oh, God, please, somebody don't be hurt. You know, it's just because you like you said, you get shell shocked from those years of Devonte Parker, you know, even when Tannehill went down. Uh, before the season and it, it just different injuries and things like that. And you, you hate to see that. You're exactly right. Um, uh, it's just it, it, the injury bug just always bites Miami early. And that's the, that's the one thing that I think yeah. last year was Vince Beagle, but I can't remember anyone other than him that really got hurt significantly, but I guess, you know, the lack of OTAs and training camp due to the Corona had something to do with that. Too. Yeah. And you had the lingering things. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. So you can look at it two ways with COVID having everything shut down and no real off season, no real preseason. They had that kind of super fast ramp up. So there was not a lot of opportunities for guys to get hurt. Um, but then you still see teams that were just decimated in injuries. And even Miami, we had issues keeping wide receivers on the field. We got to, I forget what week that was, but basically every wide receiver that we had active was either un drafted or was you know somebody that just you know wasn't top tier talent um and that's that's tough man everybody talks about depth but it's it's a, it's a hard thing to do consistently to keep skilled players on your team that are not elite enough where they're going to go get signed somewhere else but but are good enough that if you have a devastating injury you can kind of next man up Let's kind of backtrack back to the the preseason. Um, you said you're an advocate for the two preseason games. You're actually – I actually just talked to someone a few weeks back, and they said that they don't understand cutting back the preseason just because the undrafted guys and the late-round guys and the guys that are on the bubble, kind of like your, you know, your Jakeem Grants, Albert Wilson, Allen Hearns type guys, and they really don't get to show what they have in games as much as the players do. So what would you do if there was like a two, a two game preseason, for example, what, what would be your strategy sure. to so, try to get well, players well, in? Yeah. And that's a good question. And I think where that aspect comes from is from the fans because they don't get to see it. They don't get to see those on the bubble people. There are a lot, a lot of people that truly believe that on that final 53 man cut down day, that there's like 20 guys on the bubble. There's usually five to six seven guys on that, on that bubble, because most of those decisions have already been made and they've seen them again in a normal year. You've seen them through mini camp. You've seen them through OTAs. You've seen them through preseason. And then again, that's the value of those joint scrimmages. So it's not saying that teams shouldn't get together and they shouldn't scrimmage because again, coaches that have done it have said that it's just, it's night and day because you're having an offensive player scrimmage against a defense a player who's from another team who's never seen what you've run in practice, who's never seen, you know, worked with this guy and know which way he goes, et cetera. And especially, like you said, those young guys, there's no tape on them. These guys aren't, you know, watching tape from college for a, a, a practice scrimmage, <laughs> things like that. So there are opportunities there in those scrimmages and through the entire offseason where you can make your impression. And it's up to those coaches to make sure that You'll see a lot of, even with the Dolphins, perfect example. If you follow all the beat writers and the guys that are at practice, they'll tell you so-and-so is running with the ones today. So-and-so is running with the twos. And they'll tell you who is getting, and that doesn't mean necessarily that that guy who was number one on the offensive line, that he's lost his job. It just means 
coach wants to see, hey, if we got to plug this guy in or we have to slide him over to this position, what can he do? So I think those opportunities are up to the coaching staff to make sure that they're giving everybody that opportunity to see if, you know, they should be on that final 53. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, I think the joint practices are, are fantastic. You have, um, I, I, yeah, the, the one clip from D'Angelo Hall versus DeAndre Hopkins that one year, every, everyone knows just what I'm talking about, just with those two names. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. But I, I, yep. I don't think it's Absolutely. utilized. That's where you much. get some of the best fights. You're right. Exactly. But I also think the the thing that doesn't go into the consideration is the fights happen in training camp almost every year with every team. And that's just because, like you were saying, they know each other's moves because they go in day out, day in, day out. So an example, yeah. I think Christian Wilkins was in a fight last year, and we all know Christian Wilkins is is not, not the guy yeah. to get in fights. But you know what I mean? You yeah, go yeah. up against it just because you just get under their skin. You're just tired of facing the same guy. So I does think, the joint practices brings a little bit of fresh air. And I think not, not, I think it's not utilized enough. I think Miami does it once a year or they try to, at least I know they did it with the Eagles. I think the year before Corona happened, or it could have been with the Panthers. It was one of the two teams, but I I think it turned out pretty good. Yeah, And it usually depends on both logistics. Like it's easier when you're uh, playing the Florida teams. And Mm -hmm. then it also depends on obviously the other coach, you know, you have to make that agreement with them where you guys are going to practice together. Um, but, and you want a little bit of fighting, you know, you want some <laughs> fighting in practice, you know, there, there should be a little bit of, of, you know, where, where these guys are, are getting up in each other's face and stuff. You, you want to see that. Um, you just don't want to see like what happened at Cowboys practice. <laughs> I think it was a couple years ago where it just got completely out of hand. The benches yep. were cleared. Everybody was swinging <laughs> like that. That was just completely out of hand. So you don't want to see it get to that level. Um, but you know, you, you definitely like to see some fight in people for sure. So let's stay, you know, on the, on the topic of, you know, players being chippy with each other and the, just the competition level. Um, like you were saying, the Miami Dolphins depth at receiver last year was paper thin. And like two of us talking about the yeah. playbook was very hard to understand, or he didn't memorize it as often as like, as, as good as he would want. And I think part of it has to do with the hip recovery, but that's a whole different conversation, but now receiver is, yeah, I mean, it is, um, like guy, guy couldn't even come depth. into the facility until like two weeks before the season started. So yeah, exactly. And now receivers like the, you know, there's like not even a need. It probably won't even be a need for the next couple of years. If the guys that we expect to pan out, pan out. So give me, just give me six names or just give me a couple names that you think are going to make the roster that people don't think are going to make the roster. Like a Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson, Alan Hearns. Um, Matt Collins seems like a lock just due to special teams ability, but I'll let, I'll let you take this over. See, this is, this is tough. Yeah. So this is, this is tough for me. And I, I kind of want, I kind of want to do the opposite. So as you mentioned, like right now, wide receiver, obviously not a position of need for Miami. So they went out and they got Will Fuller. Wonderful. I thought, you know, right behind Curtis Samuel, who I would have loved, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's the next guy that, that I would have liked. Um, so I, I love the Will Fuller move. Obviously getting Jalen Waddle is huge. I think Waddle and replaces Samuel getting in. Yeah. So I think that for me, though, I'm waiting on pins and needles for the Dolphins to move a wide receiver, because here's what's happening right now. You have teams that already have 90 guys in camp, right? The final roster is 53. You can stash some on the practice squad. But in general, almost half of the guys that are working around right now at camps like aren't going to be on a team. 
but teams want to play everything close to the vest because they don't want you to know who they're going to cut, especially those players who are like surprise cuts or who are cap casualties, because if they can get even a sixth or a seventh round draft pick for somebody, they want to do it. So for me, I think that wide receiver room is overcrowded with talent. And I think that they're working the phones, not because they're trying to shop an individual player, but I think there are wide receiver needy teams, even like Tennessee is a perfect example. Yep. I think, you know, they've been mentioned as far as maybe getting into the Julio sweepstakes, which I think they should, but they don't have the money for his 42 guaranteed over the next two years. Um, but money can always be kind of moved around and worked out, but you got teams like Tennessee, you got teams that really could use a wide receiver when they lost a bunch of pass catchers in, in, in free agency. So they should be calling the Dolphins saying, what do you want for Parker? And not, not that I want to see Parker go, but it's just the Dolphins would take, obviously, the, the right offer for Parker or, or Jakeem Grant. Or anyone. You know, like Jakeem Grant is a dynamic player even if he were to just be your punt returner or your kicker returner now i know people are saying that waddle might have taken that spot away from him Mm -hmm. but i truly believe that jakeem grant was never fully utilized the way that he should have been utilized and everyone says his issues with the drops and the catches and stuff but if you look at the team like he wasn't even leading the team in drops like like he wasn't even, he wasn't the, it just, his stuff came on the 50 yard bombs. His stuff came on like the <laughs> big third and 17 moments where it was like, like you needed a catch. So like you felt it in your soul a lot harder uh, than anybody else. But you look at the teams like the Rams, you look at the teams like, like the chiefs that use those jet sweeps that use those fast ever since even Cordero Par- Patterson came into the league and you've got these guys that are figured out how to use speed players and misdirection and Chan Gailey obviously was not that guy. And I don't think (laughs) we've had somebody like that in a a long time, if ever. Um, So how that's going to work out with the two new co-OCs, which is another reason I think that I see that room getting trimmed is because with, the former running backs coach and a tight ends coach i think they're not going to have a lot of four wide receiver sets so you've you've literally got enough talent on the roster where you could put five of these guys on the field at the same time and they'd all be competing for for catches and targets and they'd all be able to go get you a first down or go get you the yards that you need so there has to be a team out there or multiple teams that are sitting there looking at the abundance of riches that miami has right now in the wide receiver room going we got to get one of those guys what would it take to get one of those guys so i don't know who i don't i don't know who that you know and i i hate to speculate um it's obviously it's not going to be waddle it's not going to be Will Fuller, but those to me are my only two locks because Parker, Preston Williams, I think Jakeem, Albert Wilson, 
any of these guys potentially for not a very high draft pick, but just a pick in general, because if they're going to get cut anyway, they'd try to get something in return for them. So two two things that I want to bring up. Um, first about the draft pick, I saw today on Twitter that the you know the scouting teams and the coaches believe that this 2022 draft is so deep that a sixth rounder would give you the same amount of talent as a third rounder in 2021, which just blows my mind. I'm not sure you know how true it is. I'm not. I've I just started scouting a little bit. Yeah, that, that might be a stretch a little bit, but I there's some potential. I mean, there. let me. Let, yeah, I mean, here's the problem. So last year, I think it was last year, where John Harbaugh said that we could take a wide receiver in the fifth round and he would be just as good as like a second round wide receiver in, in the following year. So it was a similar type statement. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how true that was <laughs> uh, because Justin Jefferson was the only first rounder who really just lit it up. Uh, Jerry Judy had one of the worst one of the drop rates in the NFL, his catch rate was abysmal and he was supposed to be that next superstar so i don't know man drafts are hard and and nobody saw joe burrow coming out of the woodwork when he did nobody sees a lot of these guys who all of a sudden come back for a senior year and just go ham so i think that's premature to say especially for the fact that even in the first round 50 percent of all first round picks are busts so and you've got people that are spending billions of dollars in research and scouting and everything we know with analytics and this and that and they still can't predict who it's going to be at any position they don't know how to nail it the safest one and i wish i had the stats in front of me uh justin snyder put a list together when we did our live draft show but the the safest pick is center because in the past i forget how many years it was so i don't want to say but every single center made it to their second uh contract Uh... with their team but that was the only position where every single player drafted in the first round made it to their second contract. And then it dropped off from offensive lineman to wide receiver and quarterback and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but so I, I don't know if there's any, any truth in that. It's, it's easy to, to say that now, but I, th- I think back, it's tough, yeah. especially because how, how was everybody even scouting this year when you had, you got teams playing sports, spring ball you have teams whose entire season was canceled so it's like you had to rely on tape for look at all the people who opted out now if you're jamar chase and you put so much good things on tape where it's like okay this guy we're gonna take him anyway but if you have other players who are just like all right they were decent they if they came out in the draft they would be okay but they came back and then they opted out and then what have they been doing that whole time are they staying in shape you know what is your connection with the uh coaches at that school and things like that. So I think that three years from now, this draft that we just had is going to completely expose a lot of scouting departments because the teams that have the best scouting departments that have the best relationships with schools and have real insight knowledge are the teams that crush this draft because everybody else was a disadvantage when they didn't have all of this tape and they didn't have anything and they just had to kind of go on what little information they had. So I think it's going to be really interesting three years from now, going back and looking at this draft and really looking at the scouting departments and seeing who, who crushed it and who didn't. 
So you just brought up, you know, some really good points. And now I'm going to hit you with this question that, um, you know, I'm not sure about your thoughts about the Dolphins draft, but some people say they nailed it. Other people said it was questionable because they didn't, you know, fill all their needs. As a running back is what I'm talking about mostly. <laughs> um, yeah, do you think that's I why mean, Miami listen, played it safe in the draft? You know what yeah. I mean? They played it more towards the safe so side. So we, we actually – yeah, we, we, we talked about this on some of the Twitter spaces, and I and I have opposing thoughts. So first of all, personally, I think Miami crushed the draft, right? We didn't release draft grades because I think draft grades are bullshit. You want to do gra- draft grades, do them three to five years in the future. Go back and look how many correct players produced where, where they were supposed to. But to do a draft grade when nobody stepped foot on the NFL field, I mean, if you did a draft grade after the Ryan Leaf draft, you would the thought that they hit a home run and, and the chargers were going to be amazing, but that obviously didn't work out. So <laughs> I think, I think the dolphins did amazing because of the needs that they had and the value that they got at each position. You look at how they were able to work themselves back and then back up to where they got Jalen Waddle, who for them, I'm sure obviously was the best wide receiver on the board. You could say maybe they had Chase, but I think you add in that relationship with Tua and that just makes it even that more special. So they got a great pick there. They picked up an extra first round pick and then they obviously get Jalen Phillips. We needed edge rusher. Miami needed an edge rusher so bad. There was just talk. Was it going to be Rousseau? Was it going to be Phillips? Who did they like? And they end up going with Phillips. Now, you can nitpick, right? You can say that, yes, a running back, a Najee Harris, you know, would have sent the crowd wild. But I'm going to tell you something that's going to hurt a lot of people's feelings right now. The crowd don't know shit. Like, you know, we, you have to remember this. It's like, I have a firm belief in life, and this has helped me professionally and personally. I believe that half the world is stupid. And if you don't believe that half the world is stupid, you're probably in the half that's stupid. So that means half the world is still smart, right? But you never know who's in what. So half the people are always going to have the pitchforks and and they're ready to come at you and you're never going to please those people. The statistics show, and I'm a stats person, the statistics show that you do not overpay your running backs and you do not draft them high. You look at all the past Super Bowl winners and you look at who their running backs were and where they acquired them and everything. And it's, I mean, does everyone forget that Damian Williams, who wasn't fit to be on a Miami Dolphin roster became a Super Bowl MVP. So the idea is still, yes, it's, it's a sexy pick, right? I mean, but I said on, on Twitter space and I have no shame in admitting it. I was pounding the table. Like, Let's take Najee Harris. I love or, him. I want you know, him if so Travis bad. Travis Etienne is there, like, like, yeah, like, l- let's take him. But I know in my mind that I'm being biased. I know that I just want that sexy pick. When in reality, they take a Javon Hall and they take somebody who's going to be dynamic for them, and then they f- they'll find a running back. If it's not Gaskin, you know, they'll find somebody else. They'll get. And remember, last year. Nobody would have called that Leonard Fournette just straight up got cut by the Jaguars. And then the Buccaneers are like, okay, we'll take that. Thank you. So 
there are going to be players that are going to, that are going to be cut. And that's why we talked about everybody playing everything close to the vest right now, because they don't want you to know that there's a running back that might only be 25 years old, has a lot of tread on him, but has been on the depth chart behind somebody or whatever the case is, and they're just going to release them. Or maybe it's a cap casualty thing or whatever it is. So there's always going to be opportunities to add and running back statistically. If I'm just removing my fan helmet, running back is your last position of need because not because you don't need one, but because the value you're able to find without putting as much effort into it as a first, second round draft pick or overpaying someone is, is right there. And it's, it's easy to get a return on investment. So I think you know, the Dolphins crushed it. Yes, I would have been happy if, if they <laughs> took a running back. But at the same time, I know they did the smart thing. So, you know. About about Najee Harris, um, when the Dolphins picked Jalen Phillips at 18, I was I was ecstatic, actually. But we'll come back to that. Um, when the Steelers drafted Najee Harris at 24, and then when Travis Etienne went to the Jaguars, um, I normally try to keep it pretty calm whenever I'm whenever I'm doing these things right here. Um, not just only this, but we were doing a live a live show, just like you know, have to have Twitter. But um, that's I think I don't think I've ever been that foul before in my life. I was just so angry, and because I just wanted, I mean, I've been of course I would have loved Najee. I've been seeing what he's doing in Steelers camp. He's he's leading the veterans. He is he is their number one back right now. First day of voluntary OTAs. Um. And just what he's doing is just he's killing it over there in the Steelers. Who's going to block for him? Who knows? So they're just going to maybe ruin his career, unfortunately. But the more I thought about it, and the more <laughs> the more I think is that Jalen Phillips is probably my favorite pick the Dolphins got. I was pounding edge rusher for just as much as I was running back just because we have not had that solid combination really in a long time. I know we had Cameron Wake and Olivier Vernon, but Olivier Vernon really didn't show up until Cameron Wake. Uh, I think he tore his Achilles that year, if I'm not mistaken. And, and a lot of people were mad, you know, when Ovi left, he was homegrown talent. But at the same time, the Giants paid him, I think, $80 million. When it was, it was like at the time, one of the biggest yeah. contracts ever, you know, and I was like, my God. So we weren't going to pay him that. Yeah, I think know? once I but saw I his contract, I was uh, like, I was like, yeah, just take him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I agree, though. It's been a long time. I love the Philly. There was no way. The, the only possible way I could have seen us passing up an edge rusher would have been to take a center. Like in my heart, I would have been screaming, running back, let's go. But, but when I'm removed and sober, it, it would have <laughs> center is the only thing I, I could possibly see them passing up an edge rusher because they, they needed an edge rusher and they got arguably the best one in the draft. So. They definitely did. Now I'm not sure if they would have taken a, you know, a center at 18, just because, the, the injury concerns. No, and, but you know, may, it, maybe like they trade that pick back, you know, I do think if they trade it back, then, I think they, you know, I think I, Harris would have been the pick if Phillips wasn't there, if they traded back. I do think that. See, like you say, you, you were mad at the ETN pick, which, which was one of the dumbest picks I've ever well, seen. Well, I was only angry and, because you know, not to get on, I, I was on the Michael Carter train. Once that happened, I said, that's it. Michael Carter. So, Michael Carter is going to get drafted there we go. before so that's, us. And that's, that's what, what Denver I was going to say is that's when I lost my mind. When, <laughs> when the Broncos jumped up, I immediately started losing my shit. I was like, you knew, you knew that they jumped up to take a running back in front of Miami. And I was like, oh, you dirty dog. Like, I was like, <laughs> you, you knew exactly what it was. So that's when I lost my mind. 
Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I, I said it the night when Travis Etienne got picked. I said, we're going to have to trade back up into the first round to draft Michael Carter. Not my Javante Williams, I'm sorry. Or we're going to have to trade. Yeah. And I was actually scared of the Falcons drafting him. I was scared of the Jets drafting him and the Jets later drafted Michael Carter. But um, that's just one team I didn't see drafting a running back. But I do, you know, they, they got rid of Philip Lindsay, which I would have thought would have been perfect in Miami. I would. Oh, my God. I think the and I'm going to qualify this statement because it depends on what happens to Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson is under center for the Texans this year, the Philip Lindsay signing by the Texans was a robbery. Like they stole Philip Lindsay, who for me, pound for pound is like one of the most slept on running backs out there. He is. And I, I think, I, you know, like the, the, the whole Johnson and Johnson situation with Duke and uh, David over there di- didn't really work out, but I now think they got Philip Mark Ingram and very dynamic Lindsay. and you, yeah. So you put those guys with Deshaun Watson, a guy who can create things and then find them in space. And it, that could, that could be dangerous. And people forget just how good the, the offense was of the Texans last year, because the defense was so horrific and the team ended up losing a bunch of games and the circus that obviously was surrounding the entire team but you know not not predicting like the texans are gonna win 12 games or anything but just like that's that's really good for them that that philip Lindsay, i was like wow that was a great signing i i was i was pounding the table when he got released i was actually shocked he got released by denver just because i mean he was good he played good for him even last year i think he had some injury issues last year but him and Melvin Gordon would have been a good combination, but I guess they thought Javante Williams and and him would have been would have been better. And and those those are the things is there's going to be more surprise cuts. Like you look at it's funny because I've been documenting all off season what's going on with the Saints, where the Saints were like a hundred million dollars over the cap going into this off season, <laughs> and it was just ridiculous. And that's how I knew that Drew Brees was retiring because if Drew Brees didn't retire, like they were royally fucked. Um, but he converted a bunch of his salary and then, Oh, I'm retiring anyway. And it, you know, so it, it all worked out, but avoidable years. The and everything Saints, with Jason Hill. Yeah. So <laughs> even though the Saints technically slid under before camp started, remember during the off season, only 51 uh, players count towards your, your cap instead of 53. And then there's still going to be massive, massive cuts. Like they have hell of people on their roster and there's going to be massive, massive cuts. So there's going to be surprise players like that, like a Philip Lindsay, you know, there's going to be some, there's going to be a handful of people that will not be out of jobs long because the second they get released, it's going to be, okay, are they a vested player? Do they have to hit waivers? Or is this someone that's just straight up cut? And I think a team to look at for that, you know, know, regarding the running back position is, is the Eagles. They um, they have a ton of depth there. Miles Sanders is coming off an injury. They signed they they signed Kieran Johnson. I think they might have drafted a running back too. Yes, they drafted Kenneth Gainwell, which are all similar. Kieran Johnson yeah. and Kenneth Gainwell are very similar to Miles Sanders. Um, so I have Gainwell been speculating. Scares me, man, because as 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 a Miles Sanders mm-hmm. owner, uh, <laughs> who who helped me win my fantasy championship this year, like ah, uh, Gainwell's good. He's talented, and if he mm-hmm. if he gets a hot hand, man. So you know, that, what I'm thinking is that, that Sanders could become a, a sh- 
he could be on the trade block. You know what I mean? There's just so much depth there. Cameron Johnson, you know, is just like Miles Sanders as well. They have some power backs. I think Bart Scott, that's that might be his name. I know he's on the roster. They Jalen Hurts is a threat. I just yeah, don't think I, I, you have too many mouths to feed. I don't, I don't know what the Eagles would ask for him. Um, man, but I would I would probably pick up that that phone. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. If, if, if I'm the if Dolphins, my, I definitely do. Miles Sanders was available. Yeah, that's 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 hard to pass up. Um, because they did put the claim in. Man, for, I don't know. I'm, at, I'm actually Cameron trying Johnson. to pull. They did. Put yeah, the, that was interesting to me. I, I'm a I'm that, a like, I'm a he, fan of him. He came in the league with, yeah, he came in the league with potential, but it, it felt like he just he couldn't get going. Um, Miles Sanders. I'm looking at his contract now, so. He's getting paid 1.4 million this year and 1.7 next year. I'd absolutely make that phone call. Are you kidding me? Yeah, he's still in yeah. his rookie deal. A rookie he's he's still in his rookie deal. Yeah. So um Boston Scott. I don't know. And they still they, they do they have Jordan go, Howard as well. That'd, that'd be that room is 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 huge, man. They have they have a lot of so I do think he, I, it's either gonna be I think Kieran Johnson may be back, you know back on the wire of course but there's just so much depth there like you have you have five running backs that all can compete for for a spot you know jordan howard didn't have the best season with us but what running back really did what running back was really utilized right i think jordan howard is misused i mean look at him as rookie year in chicago when he had a, a good offensive line and i don't know i felt like jordan jordan howard was new school kalen balash like i was, <laughs> I, was, I was not not feeling that and it just like I, and, and to to be fair, yeah, there there wasn't great play calling. There wasn't great blocking. Same thing front. with Matt Burita. Um, yeah, you know it's, but I don't know, man. And I and and I believe in Miles Sanders. I, I think he's great. You know, I I, I think he he can be good in space, uh, especially catching passes out of the backfield. But you got to add a bruiser. You got yep. to add maybe not on a Najee Harris type level you know or derrick henry but you got to get somebody who is going to get you three yards on third and three i think they do you have a couple of fullbacks who, or like h-backs i guess you can call them they, they got the alabama yeah. tight end and they got um i think that's carl tucker and they signed the guy from cincinnati i forgot his name his name's giving my head right now um, yeah i i don't know i feel they're gonna add somebody before final touchdowns they're they're gonna add somebody now whether it's somebody who's on a current roster now who's who's gonna get cut that would actually add serious depth there because like you talked about injuries man like what happened remember what happened when miles sanders went down so first it was covid and then it was injury so what happened when miles sanders wasn't in there the run game was non-existent so nobody even had to yeah so nobody (laughs) even had to cheat up to the line like because they weren't afraid of the run game at all and so that didn't help out the pass game and it just uh i, I don't know i think i think they need to add some more depth there Ahmed the did have a good front. game though i'm a i'm a believer in Ahmed. i do think that he has more potential oh, yeah. than gaskin personally yeah like yeah like i'm a believer in Ahmed. but again i think the, i think i think Ahmed's a developmental guy i mean mm-hmm. i think he's a guy who 
could hit, you know, his fourth year or something. And just all of a sudden, I mean, again, look at Damian Williams. Guy just bounced around, bounced around, bounced around. And then he got in the right system, had picked up enough knowledge, understood his role and what he was doing. And it worked. So I, I do like Ahmed as well. Um, but beyond Gaskin and Ahmed, there's nobody there that I'm pounding the table like we can't get rid of this guy. Oh, you're you're 100. We have Patrick Patrick Laird, who you know is a special teamer. He's he's probably our best pass catching back if I'm being 100 percent honest. Yeah, that's the thing. And with those special teamers, like even we were talking about wide receivers earlier. Don't forget that Mac Hollins is a lock to make the team. Oh, so he has to be. They extended. Yeah, they extended him. So he, I know he's a special teamer, but he's listed as a wide receiver. So again, how many wide receivers, like, look, look at that room. And then there are a couple of those guys that they have them listed at running back slash wide receiver, you know, but I don't know, man, I really think fans are, are going to be really upset uh, when somebody gets moved out of that room. I don't, I don't know who it's going to be. You'd think that they could get the most for Parker. I would think that he would be the one that they would get the most for. But if they don't want to let him go, maybe they there's an offer for somebody else. People forget Alan Hearns is on the team. Like, there's, there's just too many people in that room, and half of them are going to disappear. So I don't know what, what Miami can get out of them or who, who's making offers. So, so let's end this on this, Waldo. I'll start with you, and then I'll, I'll, I'll chime in with, with my pick. Who is that one player that you are extremely high on that you think is going to have, you know, a breakout year and you have to pick one. I know there's a ton of players in, in Miami. Let's be, let's just be Miami specific right now. Cause you can go on and on about players in the NFL. doesn't matter what position sure. doesn't matter what year sure. it could be Devonte Parker, not getting injured <laughs> for all I care. Yes. So I don't know about, you know, what would be considered a breakout, but I will tell you the player for me is AVG. I think mm-hmm. that, Van Ginkle is the reason why we let Kyle Van Noy go. I know Correct. a lot of people were upset over that and, and I get his leadership and everything like that, but you look at how well Van Ginkle performed. And I think they were like, listen, we got to kick him out of the nest. Training wheels got to come off. Like this is it. We, we, we got to go. Oh, so he's the guy that I'm looking for to take over you know, being a defensive leader and step into that role and have everybody kind of on point and know what's going on at all times all around him. So Van Ginkle's the guy for me. For Van Ginkle, I was actually, you know, doing some research for an article today and his rookie year last year, he only played in six games, started one. And then all of a sudden this year plays in every single game starts 11. So I think that he had the talent last year, but he was a rookie. So they're easing him in. But I think this year he learned the playbook. He understood the he understood the NFL more as a player, and I think that's what caused him to grow more in the playing time, of course, too. Just being as versatile as he is, and you know, having the block punts on special teams too. I do think you're right that he's going to have you know a breakout year, not essentially to Dolphins fans, but to NFL fans, just because sure. he can he can force five fumbles, have ten sacks, and have three picks. He's just one of those guys that. And I think people forget. Mm-hmm just how complex Flores' defense is. Like, when you talk about the zero blitzes that they're running that sometimes are, you know, a full blitz, sometimes <laughs> it's not, and, and you've got three or four guys dropping off. You Like, that's when you saw them just coming after teams, and even the 
the color guys on TV, they were just like, I don't know who's coming. Like, I don't like if you can fool Tony Romo on a play, then then you can yeah. pretty much get it past a lot of people. So like they couldn't tell because everybody was trained to have the exact same stance, the exact same, th- whether you were coming or, or dropping back. And then on every play, it was different. You had Christian Wilkins dropping back into coverage sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You never knew who was coming and what side was getting overloaded. So it's a very complex defense to learn. And so, yeah, as you mentioned, ABG, even uh, Igbo coming into his yep. second year, like there's, there's a lot of guys that are going to take that that step that have now really understanding they, they've watched, they've learned it. You know, that's, that's why I'm always a proponent, even for rookie quarterbacks, carry a clipboard. I don't want to see a rookie quarterback on, on the field because it's not just going in there and making the throws. It's the mental it's understanding every single nuance of, of every single person's job and seeing how everything affects everything. So, yeah. So let me say mine, and let's see if you agree. I would say I was going to say Jerome Baker if he said an offensive guy, but since you said a defensive guy, uh, I'm going to go with Lynn Bowden. Lynn Bowden, uh, I love the, I love him. I, I personally think that you know him and Waddle are going to be one A one B in the slot. I don't think I. There are two different. There are two different play playmakers. Waddle can stretch the field. And of course, he's a good route runner. But Lynn Bowden, I think, is the shiftiest player we have on the team. How many games? How many times did you see him in one game? Just just stop and then go full speed right again. He's stiff arm guys. He ju- like he is so shifty. He is so agile. He he makes the people miss, and that's what Flores wants. Even last year when we were down against Buffalo, he was still going throughout the whole game. He never gave up. And I think that that of course with Flores being the coach, that shows a lot. And he loves that. He hasn't spoke publicly much about yeah. Bowden, but the trade for him, you know what I mean? Of course, the Raiders trade him because they were using him as a running back. But I think Bowden is going to have you know, his, his chance to shine. I think he's going to improve as a route runner, which I desperately think he needs to because he's more of a utility guy because he played, you know, high school, I mean, high school quarterback, college quarterback, basically. But I think him as a receiver can be very deadly because he's just so shifty. He can make the guy miss even as a pump returner, just making guys miss because Jakeem Grant can't do that. He's more of a speed guy. Why Bowden has a little bit of speed, but he can juke you. He can spin you. He can stiff arm you as you saw. So that's that's a really interesting perspective, and I like it because it actually pulls it full circle to the beginning of our show, <laughs> right? Because I I really liked when Kirk, Kirk Merritt, uh, Lynn Bowden Jr., like when those Kirk guys Merritt were coming too. in, and I was like, oh, nope. you could do some dynamic things. But here's my question to you. Okay, Lynn Bowden Jr. is on the field. Who are you taking off the field? No are one. you taking Mike Kosecki off? Are you no. taking Devontae Parker are you taking Will Fuller? Are you taking Jalen Waddle? Like I said, Miles Gaskin. Like I would take Gaskin if I'm being honest. But um, I think Bowden and and Waddle are going to be a one A one B type thing at the slot. I don't think I think Waddle's going to get more of the snaps at slot if that makes sense. But Waddle can play a little bit of outside as well. It depends on the coverage of the field. But if you need, let's say it's third and four, and you need to make a couple guys miss, Bowden's your guy. I'm not giving it to Waddle. I'm not giving it to Fuller. I'm giving it to Bowden. Because last year he proved that he's able to get those extra yards and make the guys miss. And that's something that, you know, I yeah. haven't seen from a Dolphins player in a long time. If personally, I, I mean, mean, okay. It's, it, it's hard without seeing some of those other guys in, in Dolphin uniforms, but no, I'll yeah, say correct. I respectfully disagree that I'm giving it to him over some of those <laughs> other guys. But like, again, but, but to your point, like, let's say like, again, one of those guys in the wide receiver room right now gets traded. Another or, one gets cut. And or then even all gets of hurt. a sudden you start 
right. You know, then you start to see, okay, this guy's coming in for this package. Then, I, then I could see it. And uh, I, I'd love to see him succeed, you know, cause he definitely has some shiftiness to him and, it, and it'd be a lot of fun to watch. But again, man, I just keep looking at that room and I'm like on any given play, no, who are right. you taking off the field? And think- that's why I think uh, Sarnia and Antoine and I were talking about in an ideal world, it'll be like hockey. You'll have a lineup yes. change. Yep. You're going to have your big package coming in in your speed package coming in, you're going to, you know, so there'll be guys in and out, but I just don't know that they carry that many guys into the season. I, I think they have seven receivers. Nice. I think they carry seven receivers with Matt Collins. So I think they carry six players that can play receiver. And I think Perry's on the uh, practice squad, Malcolm Perry, which shown some flashes last year, but of course he's from the Navy and he has to learn, you know, a true NFL PC play quarterback as well. Um, Merritt, I think Merritt is on the practice squad, but I think he gets picked up by another team. But I think Merritt believes he can make the team because I saw that he chose to stay with Miami other than going to another team. But sure. I do, I, I do think that you know, I wouldn't count Matt Collins as a receiver personally. I know he counts as a receiver room guy, but I think he's our emergency guy, as we saw last year with um Kirk Merritt essentially on the practice squad or even Malcolm Perry. But I think we keep six receivers that we know could play receiver just to have us cover depth wise, because that's good. Six having six receivers that, you know, can go in and. Yeah. And I mean, you, you, you're going to have six for sure. But again, it's, you know, <laughs> you, you go through Parker, you go through Preston. And then you're and down you to four. Waddle, you've got Fuller. You've got Jakeem. You've got Alan Hearns. You've got Albert Wilson. Like we're already like, I think, right there. You're at seven. I, th- I think, I think the six are Preston Parker, Waddle, Fuller. Wilson and Bowden. I don't. I don't think Grant makes it as much as I hate to say it because I'm actually a big Jakeem guy. I think so he has, Grant's gone. Yeah, on Hearns is gone. Yep. And um, Perry. Perry Somebody's got to go. Yeah, sure. some, we're, we're not carrying all these guys into the season. Perry not, to the Perry to the practice squad. Um, I think Merritt to the practice squad, like I just said. Um, Robert Robert Foster is another guy who I just everyone forgets about. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think they're gonna stash uh, Ahmed on uh, on the practice squad as well. That's a that's a risky that's, move. That's kind of where they hit him la- last year. Like they call him up for a game and then send him back. I think that's a Jordan Scarlet this year. If I'm being honest, I think I think we carry four backs into the into the season. Ahmed, Gaskin, Lord, and Laird, and Malcolm Brown. I would. I, I tell you what, I wouldn't want these guys' jobs. I, I wouldn't want. <laughs> to have to sit there and make make these cuts because there's nobody that you signed that you brought in that you drafted there's nobody that you brought in with the expectation that they can't help your team so at some point you're giving up on a mentality that you had that this person can help your team and it may not even necessarily be something against that person it may just be at that position you are overstacked a business so it's going to be tough for a lot of people well, Waldo, Waldo, let's uh, let's let's just tell people where where they can find you. You know, this your podcast. Yeah, Twitter sure. So, again. yeah, absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter. That's where we hang out in the Twitter streets most often <laughs> at Regulators Pod. Um, and of course, we are on Apple, Spotify. You can ask Alexa to play Regulators Podcast, Amazon Music, everywhere you get your podcast. You can find us, and uh, we are doing a live space again this. So uh, I'm not sure when this is air, airing, but we, we do a lot of t- uh, live Twitter spaces. So just if you, if you go on Twitter and you look for us, you, you'll see when we do the live spaces and you can come ask us questions and, and we'll try to give you 
answers as best we can. Well, Waldo, I want to I want to thank you for coming on. We had we had some great conversations today, man. Of course, like you said, it's going to yeah, be hard. Yeah, for sure. So, we'll have to do it again. Yeah, man. I would love man, to have you I, on. I, once, I appreciate you having me on. Once they trim down the rooms, and this is Tinnerell, your host. Oh yeah. And not making the decisions to cut receivers and running backs, and I'll see you guys next week. Oh.